When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, this is number one New York Times bestselling author, award-winning filmmaker, Ian Halperin. Check me out on Hollywood Raw podcast. I'll talk about it all. Everything from Jeffrey Epstein to Michael Jackson to the Kardashians to Kurt Cobain. All the subjects I've covered all these years exclusively Hollywood Raw. Check it out. Hey everybody, it's Tony Robbins. Hey guys, I'm Audrina Patrick. Hey, this is Adam Carolla. You're on the Hollywood Raw podcast. You're watching Hollywood Raw. You're listening to and watching Hollywood Raw. This is the Hollywood Raw podcast, hosted by entertainment veteran Dax Holt and street journalist Adam Glynn. The podcast humanizing Hollywood. From celebrities to media moguls, even paparazzi and bodyguards have come to break news, break their silence, or just have a great conversation on Hollywood Raw. If they're on Hollywood Raw, there's a reason. From page six to TMZ, Daily Mail, and People Magazine, everyone is talking about the Hollywood Raw podcast with Dax Holt and Adam Glynn. Welcome to the Hollywood Raw Podcast. Yes, that's right. You are listening to the number one entertainment news podcast in the country. My name is Adam Glenn, joined by my buddy, Dax Holt. How are you, friend? I'm doing good. I am uh, looking forward to this conversation we're going to have today. Uh, This is someone who has had... He has been able to unlock some of the most closed doors in Hollywood and by that, I say he is an investigative journalist who has written numerous books um, about the inner workings of Brad and Angelina and Michael Jackson and Jeffrey Epstein. Like he has been able to get into rooms um, like unlike anyone else I've really uh, seen gone undercover a lot. Um, so anyway, we're going to have Ian Halpern on here in a couple minutes. Um yeah, I you know, he I feel like he's had a lot of success. I'm also a little nervous because he, you know, he he doesn't hold back. He kind of says whatever is going on out there. So, here's see how this conversation uh goes. Uh, what what are you looking forward to in this conversation? Yeah, him, I just want to see um with Ian. He's such a unique, interesting guy. He's very I kind of want to pick his brain a little bit how he gets so close to these people, how he's able to kind of get to those sources. And he's one of those guys where when he calls, like, luckily, like, we don't have, like, I don't have to worry about him calling me. But if you're a publicist or celebrity and this guy calls, you kind of, like, get nervous, like, oh, fuck like something's going on i'm gonna have to go to why work because ian calling not good yeah. not good <laughs> yeah it's not good it can't if he's he's working on something he knows something and it just goes into crisis management mode where you're just trying to figure out or work with him but i don't think you can really work with him because yeah. ian's a guy who you know he's an investigative journalist and he's always going to somewhat expose the truth because his audience wants to know the truth um before we get to ian dax I know you got some reviews. Share share me two. Give me two I've reviews. I've got two for you, of course. This one is from Meme Beautiful Me. Uh, five stars. I'll keep listening. Eh, you're all right. I guess I enjoy the rundown. You two have decent chemistry. I guess I'll keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Funny. Well, we appreciate that you'll just keep listening. So uh, Mimi, beautiful thank, me. thank you for that review. I will absolutely take it. All right. Here's the next one. This one comes from CDL96, five stars. And then it's titled The Absolute Best Podcast. Hell yeah. It says, love, love, love this podcast. Dax and Adam always have a, the best guests. And the Raw Rundown on Friday is my favorite. I could listen to these guys every day. Sonia L. Orlando, Florida. Did Sonia I one L. I, I feel like I may have read that one at some I point. I don't care, but Sonia L. needs some love. Sonia L. from Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much, guys. Make sure you leave a review. Dax, on to our guest today. All right. Well, our guest today is an investigative journalist who's also a New York Times bestselling author who wrote the books uh, such as Unmasked, The Final Years of Michael Jackson, Kardashian Dynasty, Brangelina, The Untold Story, Shut Up and Smile, The Supermodels and Dark Side, Hollywood Undercover, Who Killed Kurt Cobain, and so many more. Uh, Ian Halpern. Ian, thank you so much for joining us. Really excited to have you on. You know, one of the things, like, you've really covered some, like, really interesting celebrities. Celebrities that are, like, impenetrable. And I think that's why I was so curious to talk to you in person. Because you've covered, like, Brangelina. You've covered the Kardashians. You've covered Michael Jackson. These are camps that you can't really get information out of. But somehow you were able to do it and write books on them. And so I was like, oh, I've I got to have this guy on. So first off, who did you find the most fascinating to cover or interesting and why? First of all, covering all these people, as I say, Mark Twain's famous quote, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. All these people that I covered were powerhouses. And yes, their camps were pretty much impenetrable, but I was able to do it, um, going undercover a lot. In today's world, I just give up. There, there's no way I'm going to write a book about Bieber, Drake, uh, any of these clowns uh, who, to me, are they're good artists. But you know, I'd rather be homeless in New York than than doing that. So I've switched gears. I've gone back to comedy um, with substance. But the one person to answer your question who was the most interesting for me was definitely uh, the grunge icon, Kurt Cobain. And I wrote two books about him. This week I'm releasing my third. It's called Case Closed, the uh, murder up, murder and cover-up of uh, Kurt Cobain. And uh, it's on all Amazon sites, a lot of new evidence. It's only new evidence that proves it wasn't a suicide. It was definitely a murder. And uh, I talked to everybody in this camp about his death. So... Please check it out. Again, it's on Amazon. It's called Case Closed, the murder and cover-up of uh, Kurt Cobain. So he, he was definitely the most interesting because, first off, I loved his music and I loved what he stood for. He really uh, appealed as a voice of a generation to the downtrodden people who came from nothing and he gave them hope. And a lot of celebrities today don't do that. They're so narcissistic with Instagram and all the social media, you know, like who the fuck wants to really find out what Rihanna had for breakfast or I mean, <laughs> we, we, we have much more pressing issues in this world. So to me, you have to mix entertainment with substance. And if the substance is there, then people are going to come in throngs and beat down doors to consume it. 
so you, you know, Ian, you wrote about a bunch of people, and you know, Kirk Cobain obviously being one of them, you know, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, Michael Jackson, the Kardashians. Uh, I mean, so much. So, but we'll start with Kirk Cobain. Kirk Cobain, you worked on this for a long time. Um, obviously, this is not you've wrote many books on Kirk Cobain, obviously, his death. When you talk to people within his camp, I mean, are you are you able to get to like the family members at all? Yeah, I, I was the only guy to get the first interview on camera with the person closest to Kurt, who, which was his grandfather, Leland Cobain. We sat down for hours um, in in Washington State. He lives right near Ab- he lived right near Aberdeen. He's since deceased, but you know, I videoed everything back in the day. Um, and today, look in the in my new book again, case closed. I'm not directly accusing Courtney of murdering Kurt. But at the end, I'm saying, look, I presented all this new evidence and any normal person who would be presented such evidence that their spouse was murdered would be concerned. And so I'm challenging her her to her that I'll pay for a polygraph for her with the world's leading polygraph examiner. And if she passes, if I'm wrong, I will pay for a billboard in Times Square. This is exclusive to you guys. You're getting this first. I will take out a billboard in Times Square saying Courtney Love is innocent if she passes to exonerate her from these very serious allegations. Now, if she passes, I'm still not letting her off the hook. I hope she joins me in the pursuit of the killers. I mean, OJ, she shares the same birthday with OJ Simpson, July 9th, incredibly. And OJ still says he's looking for the killers of Nicole and Ron, which is absurd. But in this case, I do have the smoking gun. It's in my new book, Case Closed, on all Amazon sites. And you will learn why the forensic pathological evidence points to a uh, murder cover-up. Wow, that's crazy. Now, I have... Have you talked to her at all throughout this whole, through any of your books, or has she been willing to talk I've to you? I've come into contact with Courtney and her her PI who took me out for dinners and tried to get me to back down, offered me money to back down. I mean, this has been going on. It's going to be 30 years in uh, 2024. It's been a long pursuit. But as I said 30 years ago, when I started out on this, I will not back down until justice is served. Incredibly, her PI was killed. A lot of people on this case have been killed. Uh, people in the Seattle police, her bass player allegedly died of a heroin overdose, a drug overdose when she was leaving Courtney and Hole. She was en route back to Minneapolis. That night she had a U-Haul um, packed in front of her apartment in Seattle. She ended up dead in a bathtub. So it just goes on and on and on. There's a plethora of evidence, scientific proof that says Kurt did not commit suicide. He had 70 times a lethal dose of heroin in him. Nobody would be conscious, let alone lift a shotgun, turn it around and try to blow their head off. It's scientifically impossible. And now the former police chief of Seattle agrees with me, Norm Stamper. He says that this case was not properly investigated you guys are getting this first a lot of people have been calling me from the daily mail the sun the post um radio stations and you know you guys reached out to me so this is exclusive to you guys as the book hell yeah we'll take it 
No, we'll, we'll definitely take it. When you said you mentioned the PI, you know, obviously yeah. with your work, you're kind of in, in, you're an investigative journalist. So, you know, you're doing the Lord's work, as some people would say, but you're kind of working a hardcore talk. You're on the ground floor. You're not just making phone calls. You're stopping by places. You're doing what you have to do to get the story. Uh, me and Dax were like a, saying a lot. We want like a Hollywood fixer on the show, you know, and from your work, like you mentioned, this PI you worked with, how do does that job work from your experience? These private investigators are what we call them Hollywood fixers. Do are they they're paid by this celebrity to kind of bury stuff? Like how does you know what was what's your take and your experience dealing with these kind of people? First of all, I always go back to Shakespeare. I love Shakespeare. He said, No legacy is so rich as honesty. In such simple words. So when a PI shows up in my backyard and trespasses, like Jack Palladino, who Courtney hired, and he worked for the Clintons, he worked for presidents, he worked for, uh, oh, so many cases this guy worked on. Um, he was a very famous PI in Hollywood. He shows up in my backyard, takes me out for dinner. He was pissed at me because I took him to a cheap restaurant. He said, Ian, you know, it's carte blanche here. Courtney's footing the bill for everything. And he said, take your time. Because, you know, he's on the clock and he's in no rush to end this. He's getting 1500 an hour and, you know, he's got to do his job. I got to do my job to answer your question. It's all part of the business. Everybody is trying to make a buck, including myself, who's trying to sell a book. So at the end of the day, it's a business, but the truth will prevail. And when you have Courtney's own private investigator later on turning on her, Tom Grant, and accusing his own client of murder, have you ever heard of that one before? No. No, that's great. It's, well, it's power. And I, I apologize if I'm not as well-versed, but like, what, would, what did she have to gain with him not being around? Like that, That's what I'm trying to figure out of why she would not want him. Well, don't apologize because that is – that's the superstar question. That's why you're being paid to do what you do, because you just asked the golden nugget in this whole case. The motive, it's always the motive behind the crime. And Kurt mm -hmm. wanted a divorce. He had gone to a divorce lawyer, and Courtney found out he was also bought plane tickets to move from Seattle. He wanted to quit Nirvana, quit Courtney, make a new start with a new woman. He had a new girlfriend. They had a prenup. If Kurt, if they divorced, Courtney didn't get a penny. That was mm -hmm. the prenup deal. So Kurt Cobain to Courtney Love was with much more dead than alive. And that's where the motive is. Gotcha. That's wild. Interesting. Actually, you mentioned Jack Pellegrino, uh, that he's coming on the podcast. Um, so oh, no, Anthony, Anthony, oh, I'm no, sorry, Anthony. Anthony I'm sorry, Anthony Palacano. Yeah, Anthony Palacano is one of the podcasts. I know they always get mixed up, those two. There was Jack and there's Anthony. Jack died yeah. a couple of years ago. So, An yeah, Anthony, Anthony's coming on the podcast. Let me get yeah. into Michael Jackson, you know, yeah. and because Michael Jackson, his death was very big to Dax. And I'll let Dax, you can explain your relationship to the, the death of Michael Jackson. Yeah, no, I was just, um, obviously, I was at TMZ at the time, and so I was there, got the first tip on 
them what, being, what was them working being first off with Harvey? I mean, what was I it like working with Harvey? With, yeah, I know Harvey people is, have worked with Harvey. They said it was a nightmare. <laughs> he, is, he is the hardest working person in Hollywood. Like, no joke, he runs that ship. It's a tight ship, but, like, he is in there before us, or was. He was in there before us. He was in there after us. You know, he – it was his baby, you know, and so – everything he did was for TMZ. And so, yeah, you know, he, he was a hard, hard worker and there was hard days there. Because but... you, know, he, you know, he did celebrity justice before oh, yeah. TMZ. And oh, I know yeah. people who, one of my best friends was a senior producer there who now works for ABC as the senior producer at uh, 2020. Um, right. From all accounts back then, Harvey was a nightmare to work with. So but I can, t- maybe- I can tell you that, what I've learned is that people learn a lot working for him and they always end up going and getting really good jobs because they learn how to be a hard worker. And so you see people leave and like you said, become a senior producer at ABC, become a senior producer at Entertainment Tonight or at other big outlets because you learn how to like bust your ass at TMZ. Yeah. You really do. Um so no, getting back to Michael Jackson, sure. I was there the day that, yeah, I got, I got the tip that there was an ambulance going to his house. So we started to investigate. I got one of the confirmations that he had passed away. Then we got a couple more confirmations. And so I was actually live on air um, when we posted it. And so I broke the news on, on like Fox New York. So, and then that night I was out there reporting outside of his house, all of this kind of stuff. So I was super connected to the death, but that being said, you broke the news to the world six months before he died that he only had six months to live. You, and this was something that a lot of people had no idea about. We didn't know about his health issues. I mean, you, you'd seen going in and out of like the Mickey Farm pharmacy and going to the medical buildings on Bedford, sure. and you could tell he wasn't healthy, but I didn't think he would die. And how did you? know that it was as serious as it was i had very inside first of all i was dating somebody who worked for michael that's how i got involved in all this got all the inside information when i first released my findings i was vilified by the media and everybody and unfortunately i predicted six months to the day i said he had six months to live you know unfortunately it came true because i actually liked michael a lot um look like Prince, like all these Elvis, he just had a lot of undesirables around him. Michael Jackson should be alive today. Mm-hmm. But people like Dr. Tomei Tomei back in the day, they didn't have his best interests at heart. And, um, you know, he, he ended up dead, which is really sad because uh, Michael should have been in a rehab center treating his addictions we shouldn't have lost michael jackson at 50 years old and um i think in the book in the movie i did gone too soon which you know played in 180 countries i think it's very clear that michael jackson was a victim he wasn't a child molester as he everybody suspects you know why why do you feel like why do you feel like he wasn't a child. Well, I saw the I'm smoking gun. You know, if you read the book or see my movie that I did, 
I got all the documents. Uh, his insurance company in the Chandler case demanded that he settle with Jordan Chandler. They wouldn't support him anymore, so they settled to the tune of $15 million. And then the Gavin Arvizio case, he was acquitted. It, look, Michael Jackson certainly played the part of a child molester, but never would he touch a child inappropriately, even with the film Finding Neverland. I did a follow-up book, which is on Amazon, Unmasked 2, debunking that whole film, Finding Neverland, which was the same distributor that distributes my movies. So, um, you know, the bottom line is Michael Jackson was a good person. He helped a lot of people, but he had a lot of addictions after that Pepsi commercial when he burnt his hair. He became addicted to drugs. Elizabeth Taylor tr tried to help him. It was his best friend. But at the end of the day, he died a lonely person, didn't trust anybody because everybody was trying to uh, feed off the Jackson piggy bank. And um, he ended up dead. Same happened to Prince, you know, uh, Marilyn Monroe. All, Hollywood's a dangerous place. As you know, you worked for TMZ. It's horrific what goes on there. And a lot of these actors and stars, I mean, they were deprived, I guess, of attention in grade four and they needed attention during their adult formative years, but they ended up really sad, lonely people. What do you think was the most dangerous part? What do you think is the most dangerous part of Hollywood? Is it the the people in your circle? Is it the temptation? Is it the drug? Is it the influence? Is it the fame? What do you think, you know, for a lot of these people is the common theme is the most dangerous thing in the industry? It's I think the most dangerous thing is um, letting it get to your head because it's a fly by night business. You know, you're on top one day and they'll eat and spit you out the next day. And good luck coming back. Very few are able to make it. Look at uh, Gary Coleman from Different Strokes. He was working as a security guard at a shopping mall. He was the biggest TV star. Um, so the biggest thing is you can't be in it as a sprint. It should be a marathon in a, uh, in a practical world. But if you're in it for the sprint, save your money because it's going to end sooner than later. So was Michael Jackson's last few years as he was alive, what was it like? Was he happy? Was he just in and out of doctors? Was it just people trying to yeah. uh, take advantage of the relationship with Michael? Was he, was there financial he, he, struggle? He was a good dad. He focused on being a parent and uh, you know, he, he spent much more than above his means. So he was hundred you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in debt. Um, but at the end of the day, he was not a bad person. He was a good person, an amazing artist. And uh, I think there's been so many misconceptions about him and falsities out there. And that's why I wrote the book Unmasked, which became a number one New York Times bestseller. Did you, did you ever get to meet Michael? Yes, I met him How several he? times. He was very humble. You know, he'd go, he'd meet you, he'd go like this, and he'd honor you. Uh, he, he was very uh, misinterpreted by the media, by his fans. Michael Jackson was a great artist in the same sentence, like as a Michelangelo, a Picasso, 
he really pushed the envelope of art. And I don't think we'll ever see anyone like him again. So let me ask you this, though, you know, to like wrap up, Michael, you, sure. you know, obviously you worked on him for an extensive time. What was your biggest takeaway that you learned about Michael when you investigated him, when you worked on him, when you researched him, when you, you know, when you, when you covered him? Well, aside from his addictions, the drug addictions and the torment he was in, he was in emotional pain. I, I learned at 50, he could still dance, even on all the drugs and everything. He still had it in him, and the voice was still there. And that's why it's a tragedy he died, and nobody really in his inner circle tried to save him. He really truly was like a superstar, like someone yeah. with incredible, incredible talent that we might not see in our generation again you know what i'm saying like you just don't see that kind of talent out there yeah i mean if you see that's the thing if you live in america it's sort of a microcosm of all the talent around the world if you travel and i've been traveling a lot the past decade doing movies and i i've seen so many artists out there with similar talents who just don't have the you know the frank the leos behind them and the the hollywood hype um, but now you're starting to see people like Carol G and Columbia Shakira breaking out again. She set all kinds of records on Spotify with her latest collaboration with Bizrap. Um, so, but can anybody ever hold a candle to the power and um, intensity of Michael Jackson? I'm not sure because he had it all. He can sing, he can dance. Um, he, his ears were huge, like James Brown and Michael Jackson. They would hear every mistake the band would make. They had mm -hmm. huge ears as musicians. So those are very big shoes to fill. And, you know, guys like Drake and uh, all these rappers out there now. And, it, yeah, it's, it's nice, it's, but, you know, it's not Michael Jackson. It's fast food to me. Michael Jackson was gourmet. We, so... So as much as I want to just keep talking Michael Jackson all day because I, I am so fascinated with his life. I've watched all the movies. I've watched documentaries. I've watched all of it. I also want to get into the Kardashians. And we're taking yeah. a big turn here. But I want to know, why cover the Kardashians as much as you have? Like, why dive into their life? Is it just the phenomenon? Is it, do you feel like they're so powerful that everyone wants to talk about them? Like, why cover them? Okay, first off, a lot of people accuse me of just covering uh, dead superstars. So I said, you know, with the Kardashians, that's going to be erased immediately because here I have like 10 or 12 of them and uh, I'm covering them all and they're all alive. I phoned the publisher, Simon & Schuster. I said, look, you probably won't want this because you did Chris's book, Chris Jenner. And they said... The, the publisher one-on-one -on -one said to me, no, we'll gladly take it. I said, what do you mean? We'd like to cover both sides here. And they took the Kardashian book. And um, look, what Kim did, I think Kim Kardashian is the most legit Kardashian. A lot of people have accused them of shamelessly profiting with, without an iota of talent. Kim Kardashian worked their ass off. I think she's the most talented of them all, the most legit um, but mainly I did it because I went undercover um, as a trans. I went for the same surgery to the same surgeon as uh, 
Bruce Jenner did before becoming Caitlyn. And the, the surgeon didn't want to see me. I said, you know, months in advance, but I told him I'm in the, my assistant phone and said he's an Israeli prince. There is no Israeli royal family. He didn't catch that. And they took me the same day. They said he has FU money. And I went in there and there's video footage of this and photos in the book of them. You know, I said they have the Vanity Fair cover of Caitlin on his desk. And I said, I want the same procedure as Caitlin. And while he was doing all the examinations of me and we had it, we had it all on video. My assistant videoed everything. Um, I asked him, you know. Are you going to cut off the Louisville Slugger too? Did Caitlin mm-hmm. get that? Did Caitlin get that cut off too? And he admitted to me, not yet. So I said, okay, when Caitlin gets the Louisville Slugger cut off, call me and I'll get the same. We'll finish the whole surgery that way. Um, Kardashians, interesting group. They really are the the gods of social media. And they're shameless marketers. But, you know, there's much more to the whole story if you go back to the whole uh, O.J. Simpson um, link with Robert Kardashian. They were best friends. And a lot of people claim that uh, O.J. was um, Chloe's biological father, that he had an Mm -hmm. affair with Chris, which Chris has denied. But I think... They were, they defined a whole generation because they turned everybody on to Instagram, social media, and showed how profitable it can be. I think that's why we're all here today on this platform, because of them. They blew it all up. And um, in hindsight, I think it's one of my best books. The LA Weekly called it a pop culture masterpiece. And I really went out of my way to be fair to them and really get into uh, the machinations of building a brand, a family brand with the momager at the helm, Kris Jenner, who, lover or hater, you can't argue with her success. And I know TMZ, when, you know, back in the day, they still get all the exclusives. I, I think Harvey's very good friends with them because whenever something Kardashian, Kanye happens or whatever, they get it first. I'll say this. The men in the Kardashian clan have not had good success. If you look at Scott Disick, Rob Kardashian, uh, Lamar Odom, Kanye West, uh, Bruce Jenner couldn't take it. He went, you know, he went a whole different way in life. I think the they're known to eat and spit out their men. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So here's a question for you. Are there boundaries to your reporting? Like, you know, I think some people may be like, well, that's you. You went a long way by going to the hospital is or going to the surgery center. Are there is there anything that's off limits for you? No, 
No. no, you know, because I'm trying to do what that's why, you know, over the years, I've had countless offers to join newspapers, to join TV stations, and I refuse to do it. I've always stayed independent. And this way, I could do whatever the fuck I want to do and take journalism to the extreme it should be because there's too much corporate bullshit when you work for the big, uh, you know, uh, uh, Viacom or uh, any of these companies. There's so even working for Simon and Schuster all those years, I had to go through so many lawyers and, you know, all the stuff now that I've really gone independent that I wasn't able to put in the books, I'm able to put out now. And that's like what you guys are doing. There's no limits to what you do. And that's the beauty of it. And if you could monetize it and to get paid for your time, it's even more beautiful. And I'm sure you guys are happier doing what you're doing now than, you know, having Harvey Levin bark at you, you know, 24 seven. I mean, I got paid a lot more to do that though. I'll tell you. You did, right? (laughs) Did TMZ pay well? Yeah, they do pay well. (laughs) I mean, you missed the check. They paid me very well. But, you know, if, if this blows up for you, which it probably will, you know, you'll forget, you'll, you'll take three letters out of your alphabet, TMZ, you know, (laughs) and, uh, you know, a lot of people don't even know what TMZ stands for. Mm -hmm. They just hear TMZ. Tell, tell us what TMZ stands for. 30 mile zone. It's an old film term. 30 Uh, mile zone. Yeah. A lot of people had no idea what that was. And, you know, there's a 30 mile radius around Hollywood back in the day. And if you went outside of that 30 mile radius, the unions had to pay you more or uh, have you like get a hotel room so you'd stay the night. And so it's just an old film term. And I don't, I don't even know why it took off so much, but uh, yeah, that I'll acronym. Say this about TMZ. Harvey's a bit uptight because I was on with him a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. doing a spot. And they asked me about Tom Brady and Giselle. Did you see that? No, I didn't see it. No. Uh, okay, so I, I said, look, man, obviously, and it, it was Valentine's Day. A couple of days after, they said, well, Giselle posted on Twitter her with dogs. I said, Harvey, it's very clear. She has the animal instinct. Brady was the champion on the field. But most likely, he didn't read the playbook in the bedroom. And Harvey got all uptight. He couldn't take that. He was squirming when I said that. I said, Giselle is Brazilian. She needs sex. <laughs> and Brady was not. No, really, this is what I've heard too. Brady was not delivering touchdowns in the bedroom. In the playing field, he's the GOAT. He wasn't doing And that's why they split. And Harvey, whoa, I haven't heard from them since. And that's fine. But the truth hurts. The truth is the best defense. And he was squirming. And Harvey better behave with me. Otherwise, it's going to become BMZ. Bankrupt mile zone. So, Harvey, you know. I, I think that Tom was never around. He was so focused on football. He was constantly yeah. traveling. And just that was his his love in his life was football. That came in, uh, in front of his family is really, I think, one of the big. I'm very. I, I wrote a book about the fashion industry, a bestseller um, called "Bad and Beautiful," 
where I went undercover as a male model, if you could believe it. But I, I anyhow, won a Book of the Year award. And I did hear from one of my good sources who's good friends with Giselle, Giselle. Tom Brady was not throwing touchdowns in the bedroom. And that's why this <laughs> I we need to go back to how did you go undercover as a male model? Like what, what you can't just like just walk in a room and be like, hey, I'm here, I'm a male model. Like, how does that work? Well, you know, I got into the gym and uh, it's a long time ago. The book was over 20 years ago, I think. Yeah, 20, 21 years ago. And uh, I wrote the book with a, a big publisher in New York. Came out. I forgot about the book. I did a few TV shows and this and that. And then you move on. And then I got a call maybe six months later. Hey, your book just won Book of the Year Award in the UK. I said, which book? I, I forgot about the book. And the late great writer Jackie Collins went on a whole crusade. She loved the book to get a book of the year. And uh, I remember the Daily Mail covered it and all kinds of people. So, and I became friends with Jackie Collins after. I don't know if you remember Jackie, but uh, she sure. sold over 500 million books. She's the sister of Joan Collins. And I used to send her flowers every day on her birthday. I even wrote a eulogy for her after she passed. She was an amazing writer. And uh, I asked her to be in one of my movies, I remember in 2004. I did a movie called His Highness Hollywood, a comedy about all of the stupidity of Hollywood, where I went undercover in that one as the uh, gay and male actor in Hollywood. And I, I asked Jackie to be in the film. And she said, no problem, but you need to put me up at the Beverly Hilton and you need $1,500 a day for my hair and makeup. I said, Jackie, my budget on this fucking film is probably you know, 20 grand or something. Uh, this sounds like more like more. Why don't we do you natural, Jackie? I'll send a limo or a car and we'll take you around and we'll film you as nobody's ever seen you before without makeup. With, and she, she considered it for a second, but then passed. Um, but great woman. Uh, you know, if people read her books, her books will answer a lot of the questions you asked about Hollywood. She really covered Hollywood to the max. Ian, you knew a lot about, obviously, you know a lot about, you have some insight on the Giselle and Tom relationship, but you also knew a lot about Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Why did that relationship ultimately not work out? When you have two gigantic personalities living under the same roof it's a ticking time bomb they met on the set of uh mr and mrs smith and it was fireworks brad never had sex like that angelina was master in the bedroom nobody's better than angelina that's a fact and it was fireworks between them and I remember I did a film about it called Broken a few years ago. It got played on all the planes. It was supposed to be on Delta for a week. This shows you people's preference. It set records for clicks on Delta. It lasted on Delta and Air France about a year and a half. That's what people want to watch, I guess. Uh, so eventually they woke up one day. They were together 12 years. And they woke up one day, looked at each other, and said, who the fuck are you? 
it's the fireworks. It's the cocaine reaction. We've seen many times in Hollywood where stars get together on sets. They have these affairs. And it's, as one psychologist in the film called it, the cocaine reaction. But eventually it implodes. You wake up one day and you realize you have no idea who the person next to you is. And that's essentially what happened with Brad and Angelina. Unfortunately, they were six innocent kids in the middle of all this. And the split was nasty. I mean, I, I don't even follow it anymore, but uh, I'm not even sure if they're divorced to this day or if it's finally been settled. There's been so many lawyers involved. And it's been very, very difficult. Uh, she made extreme severe allegations against Brad that he uh, was violent toward uh, their son Maddox on a plane. And it really hurt Brad's reputation. But he survived the cancel culture somehow. If it was anybody else, they're toast, true or false. But Brad's a powerhouse and survived it. But she really did put a uh, damper in his career. So, you know, you were writing books and talking about extremely wealthy, well-connected people. Yeah. Is it ever, do you get nervous that you're going to get uh, wrapped up in a massive lawsuit with the Kardashians or just people that are trying to keep information buried and now you're bringing it out to the forefront? Like, how does that work? Um, look, again, the truth is the key. The truth is my best defense. And lasting in this business 30 years, nobody's proven me wrong yet. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, these people's stories are important because they're influencing generations. And that's why I feel it's important to get the true story out and to document the good and bad warts and all on how they rose to the top to inspire other people and for other people to learn by their success and failures. But have That's they have have they hit you up with lawsuits or threatened you or anything? People have threatened me, but I'll tell them one thing. If they want to step in the ring with me, I'm a boxer who goes the distance. I don't settle. The truth is the most powerful thing. And I will not, if they want to step in the ring, they're going to have to dance because I will go to the maximum to protect my reputation and credibility. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So I guess that's, I mean, Dax. You have I, to have I mean, skin for this job. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, yeah, Dax, I mean, you would know uh, about this. Like, let's just say a media outlet gets sued or a celebrity sues a media outlet for doing a story. Uh, and I'm sure Ian, you know about this as well. Does a celebrity have to prove that the story is true or false, or does the outlet have to prove it's true or false? Like, how does it work if a celebrity were to sue? Well, first of all, there's first the amendment, and um, you can't write something deliberately false. That's the first thing. 
then you're open to big libel. If you write something that's false in a court, they're going to have to examine if it was deliberate. That's the first thing. Second, obviously, if it's false, you have to go on the damages incurred by the uh, party. And um, that's essentially it. Go ahead, Dax. May you probably want to no, I would. Yeah, I was just thinking that there's just that, again, there's that fine line where as long as it's true, you're in a pretty good spot so that you're not, you know, it's not getting into the defamation category um because that's the big thing if it's if it's false you are fucked <laughs> in, a, in a court um and that's what the, the 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 celebrity will have to prove is that you defamed them with false information but of course. at the end of the day a celeb's not going to run to court if you are reporting accurate information because then they're going to be like, well, i can't say it's false so no point in fighting it yeah it's like when I did the Prince Andrew book, I was the only person to enter, ever interview the sociopath Jeffrey Epstein at length. And You interviewed uh, Epstein? Yes, yes. How did I not I, see that when I was doing all the looking at all your books? Holy uh, crap. Check out Controversy, Sex, Lies, and Dirty Money. Google that one. And uh, look, I had Buckingham Palace threatening me. I had Prince Andrew threatening me. And I told them, uh, look, guys... The truth is my best defense. Mm -hmm. And if you could disprove anything I wrote in the book, I will be the first person to retract, apologize, and pay the penalty. But everything I wrote was true. And I danced with Prince Andrew a lot. If you Google me and Prince Andrew, this went on for a long time. I want to ask you about Hollywood. You know, what is something like a general, what's something that, the general public doesn't know about Hollywood. That's pretty wild that people don't know about that. People don't understand or realize that goes on in the scene or the industry. Well, I think before it was um, the Hollywood closet. I also wrote a book about that. I'm promoting all my works, but uh, um, I wrote this book about two years ago. And um, it's, if you were in the closet like many have been accused of, Tom Cruise, John Travolta, um, all these actors, you couldn't come out because it would alienate a whole demographic of, you know, young women who would buy into your movies and products and uh, you were urged not to come out or you'd be blacklisted. And if you look at the Church of Scientology with Cruise and with other celebs like Travolta, they joined the church. Tom Cruise is the de facto leader of the Church of Scientology. The, the actual leader is David Miscavige, but Cruise is the de facto leader. And it would have been Michael Jackson because Michael married, Lisa Marie Michael married Michael Jackson to bring Jackson into Scientology. That's a fact. Michael, who was a devout Jehovah's Witness, didn't buy into it. And he didn't want to join the church. So then they targeted Tom Cruise. The Church of, church of Scientology actually has a program to deprogram people like Cruise and Travolta of their homosexuality. Um, and I interviewed people in the church who have been through this um, deprogramming. And I actually went undercover in the Church of Scientology years ago. 
as an alleged gay actor to get deprogrammed. And they had this. It was called auditing. So that, to me, is the biggest thing about Hollywood that people don't know. Even to this day, to come out, even though we've seen everybody and their uncle come out, it depends who you are. And we've all seen Travolta kiss, kissing the nanny on his private jet, the male nanny, who was his late son Jet's caregiver. And still, people forget about it very quickly. But to me, the Hollywood closet was the biggest thing and the biggest cover-up in Hollywood. They didn't want actors to come out and... Uh, and be honest about their sexuality. Listening to you talk about all these different situations that you've gone undercover, which one is the most like memorable or you learn the <laughs> most from? Scientology. When I went undercover as an alleged gay actor, um, their stories, I think, online, they threatened my life. I needed a police escort out of New York when I returned to New York. Um, back in the day, nobody touched Scientology. I was the first. And then everybody, after I came on and they didn't sue me or anything, I did a book and a film. I did Hollywood Undercover, and then I did the movie His Highness Hollywood. It was all about going undercover in the Church of Scientology as an alleged gay actor. And they threatened my life, but that was it. They didn't stop it legally. And then after I did it, you saw Rolling Stone details, um, all these people come out, the actress there, Leah, came out and started covering them because, hey, they said they didn't sue this guy, so they're not going to sue us. Nobody before that would touch the church. They mm -hmm. were scared shitless because the Church of Scientology, um, based in Clearwater and, and also in Hollywood, the Celebrity Center, they've got a boatload of money. And everybody was scared that they'd be litigious. How far do you go when you go undercover? So you, you're pretending to be a, a gay actor. Are you are you hiring someone to come and be your boyfriend for the day? Like, what are you doing? I'll, I'll do it all. Yeah. Uh, to get the story, I will do it all. I'll dress the part. I'll play the part. I, I The way I got into Scientology was simple. I have a rich uncle who, who was one of the inventors of the credit card keys, a locksmith. And he invented, you know, the plastic card that becomes the key to the hotel rooms, etc. Mm -hmm. So I said, look, I have a rich uncle. I told the Celebrity Center uh, director and he's willing to invest $100 million in the church. If I think it's a good thing, but you got to let me in with cameras. They said, we don't let anybody in here with cameras. I said, $100 million. They said, we're going to call him. They called him and he said, yes, he vouched for me. And that's how I got in. <laughs> what a world wild crazy world i don't know if any of this stuff works today so well that's why i'm doing legitimate comedies now mainly in south america because still here you know i remember when i lived in la i was working for reveille do you remember reveille mm -mm. they did ugly betty the office anyhow we i did a bunch of documentaries with them we did the jackson film and um but, you know, it became too much. I remember the first day they were with Universal. And the first day on set, you know, I've always been a guerrilla filmmaker, a camera, editing, and I like crews to be small. So I'd go in there and, you know, 
I said, where's the editing suite here? So where's the equipment? And the boss said, I remember, what the fuck, man? Like they signed me at the Pierre Hotel in New York. I showed up in shorts and flip-flops and then brought me to L.A. This was like 10 years ago. And he said, he, they phoned my manager and said, this guy ain't touching shit here, man. We have all the resources for him, all the access. He's just here to direct and, you know, he's not doing shit. And you know what? I didn't enjoy it. I like guerrilla filmmaking where you're involved in every facet. And I used to edit my movies in my car. I was sponsored by One Beyond and Adobe. I changed the cut in my car right before the premiere. I mean, I don't like big crews. I like just the cameraman, myself, and just to get the job done. Now, filming in L.A. back in the day, it was sort of legal if you did the uh, gun and run. But today you need licenses. I could have never done all that shit today. You know, the, you know, the cops give you fines. It's so stupid. And that's why I switch gears, switch continents, because here it's a free for all. You know, you don't need location licenses. And I love guerrilla filmmaking. It's sort of, you know, TMZ. You must have done a lot of that there. Um, but to me, that's one genre that's been lost because. Everybody wants you to pay all, you know, they don't like this uh, gun and run routine. Yeah. And I think it's very important. You know, it's a great genre of filmmaking. So, Ian, you've already dabbled in the world of Buckingham Palace when you did yeah. Prince Andrew stuff. What are the chances of you doing a, a Harry and Meghan book? Um, investigation? I did it already. It's all in it's all in the Prince Andrew book, Controversy, Sex, Lies and Dirty Money. I was the first person who said on the record, Buckingham Palace uh, was thrilled with the Oprah interview because it misdirected all the serious allegations against uh, Randy and uh, Dandy Randy. And uh, they wanted all of those allegations to go away. So they basically used Megan and were laughing at her. They were popping champagne with that Oprah interview because they knew the spotlight would be on on her for the next year or two and Prince Andrew would just fade into oblivion. And that's essentially what happened. So what, what's your take on, on them? Um, well, I always go into the bedroom in any relationship and I have sources, you know, I'm very open about sex. It, it all depends in the bedroom. They have very good chemistry in the bedroom by all accounts from what I've heard. But for me, that relationship's a ticking time bomb. If you look at Harry's past, he's an animal. Look what he used to do in Vegas, his parting days. That This relationship will not last. I will go on record to say that exclusively to you guys right now. Um, he's a caged animal. She really has her hooks into him and eventually he's going to want to run loose harry will want to return to the uk eventually and to his family this should last maybe three to five more years maximum i do believe that this relationship is like the carton of milk you put in the fridge it has an expiry date hmm. Interesting. What about you guys? i, I, do I don't you know i have a, i have a hard time seeing them separate because he has given up so much 
that I, I I feel like that would be hard for him to to leave a, a relationship. And I mean, listen, I'm looking at it right now where they look very happy together. So I I, I don't know. I, I don't, let I don't me know corner you. Let, let's rerun this tape in three to five years. Yeah. Do you, Dax, think <laughs> three to five years from now this couple will still be together? Simple yes or no. Yes. And yourself. I think they will stay together. Uh, you know what? I don't know, Ian. Because and I and I say that because I, I see your side, and I also see Dax's side. I let's, see let's because get a simple he, yes or no, so we could replay this in a few years. Yes or no? Will they split? I will say no, and it'll be but longer. I would say about ten years. Ten years they'll split. Yeah. When she starts banging, uh, you know, the FedEx guy or something. I just uh, think what he's... if he starts banging the FedEx girl? You never know. Exactly, exactly. Which is most more likely to happen. <laughs> uh, let me ask you guys another question: Do you trust Meghan Markle? Yes or no? Good question, Dax. I feel like she has been given such a raw deal. I I, I don't look at her as negatively is so many people i feel like she's just been the punching bag so i don't know i like it's hard to say it's hard to say what's really happening behind closed doors because i feel like so much of the news has been manipulated that it's hard for me to know what the fuck is real anymore i, I really i don't know what's real but i do agree you with trust her yes or no do i trust her I, I don't have any reason not to. How about that? So I'd say okay. yes. I feel that I feel that Buckingham Palace is not the most kosher spot on the planet. And so if they want to take you down, they'll take you down and they'll do whatever is necessary. And so I feel like, yeah, she gets a raw deal. I, I don't know. I Again, I don't know what's real anymore. I, I like Megan. I, I think she's amazing. She's really rocked the world, rocked the palace. I think she's incredible. But I don't think the marriage will last. Okay. Do you trust her? I, I, like Dak said, I don't have a reason not to trust her. But there's some stuff she's done that we've been told from other sources in the industry she's done to move ahead. But I don't judge for that because it's showbiz and you have to do, you have to kind of be kind of, you know, you got to do some out of the box things to kind of move ahead in show business. But I do think that she's done some very bad PR moves. Mm-hmm. I, I think by I think by she stirred the pot a little bit and that didn't really need to be that wasn't necessary. You know, she claimed that she knew nothing about the royal. She didn't even know who Prince Harry was. Let me ask you both the question with all due respect. If Prince Harry wasn't a prince and famous, would Meghan Markle would he have been been on Meghan Markle's radar? Yes or no? I'm sorry, if he wasn't rich and famous and a, and a prince? Yeah. Would he have been on Meghan Markle's radar? Probably not. I think... Yeah. But I, I also think that there's a, a level of how much interest you have in the royal family and saying, yeah, I didn't really pay much attention to them. and then And then everyone twists your words into whatever they want to make it sound like as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think you say something 20 years ago 
And now everything you say gets dissected and you're like, well, fuck, like I didn't pay much attention then. And then I got to know who they were. And then I was in the family. Like, I, I just feel like they go after her uh, relentlessly. Um, and it is what it is. You know, there's going to be a lot of people that are pissed off at me right now, just even saying that, because there's a lot of people that hate her. And I don't know where this hatred no, I, I, comes I from like for these people. I like her. I think yeah. she is a game changer. She made history. But that doesn't mean I have to agree that she's going to be with Harry forever. I've yeah. seen it all with chemistry, with relationships in Hollywood. I've studied them. And this relationship, to me, is not going to last. It does yeah. not mean anything derogatory about Megan or Harry. I actually like them both. But I don't think they're in it for the long haul. Let me ask you this, Ian. How was uh, Jeffrey Epstein? How was he to talk to? Was he a was he a charming guy? Was he a cool well, guy? To be honest with you, I'm working on the movie soon. It's called Lunch with a Sociopath. It's about my lunch with Epstein, and I think you could sort of play the part of Epstein. You sort of <laughs> so, uh, if, 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 this, if this gig doesn't work out, you know, maybe I'll cast you and. Uh, that was the uh, worst maybe. compliment you've ever been given, Adam. You know what, dude? I kind of see it, though. You know? Like, the no, Adam, I'm, is, serious. I just, I'm serious. You look like I just saw Epstein's head, and I look at my head. I'm like, oh, my God. We kind of blend a little bit. No, no. You're a dead ringer. Anyhow, Epstein, in a nutshell, was a child prodigy. He was a great pianist. Classical. He was talented. But at a young age, he decided he wanted to make money. And that's where things came into play with money, sex. He pushed and pushed the boundaries. Everybody is guilty, complicit with Epstein. Uh, I had a lunch with him. It was supposed to last 20, 30 minutes. It lasted almost seven hours. Jesus. And I got a lot out of him. The craziest line he had, this is when the conversation started shifting. When he told me he wishes, he wished he lived a hundred years ago. And I said, why? Because he said he could have dated 13 and 14 year olds back then. There were no laws. Yeah. And that's when my gefilte fish almost flew off the plate. We were at a delicatessen in Manhattan. Um, you remember Ben's De delicatessen? Mm -mm. No, I think it was called Ben's. Oh, my memory. Uh, anyhow, we were there for it, was supposed to be um, a short time, it lasted a long time. I think it was called Ben Ash, actually. Um, anyhow, fast forward, Bill Gates, Bill Clinton. All these people, Donald Trump, you know, there's a lawsuit. There was a lawsuit against Trump from an underage girl suing him of rape. You think all these people, I mean, Clinton flew on the plane. The log showed 26 times. I proved in my book, Controversy, Sex, Lies, and Dirty Money was 61. Because his assistant provided me, they he said that Epstein ordered most of the flight logs deleted. You think they all flew on the Lolita Express 
And what were they doing? Eating cotton candy? They all claim they're innocent. They didn't have anything to do with them. Leslie Wexner, the head of limited brands, Victoria's Secret. I mean, he bought Epstein a mansion. You think all these people weren't complicit? I'm asking you guys the question, uh, Dax and Adam. I mean, if you're putting yourself around the fire, you're going to get burned. So it seems like if the, if this guy was doing all this crazy shit, then yeah, if you if you do, why would you surround yourself with him? Is the question like it, he wasn't? I don't think he was a fun time to hang out with. That everyone just wanted to hang with Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein. I think he provided a certain lifestyle, and you know, I, I think there's people that found that intriguing unfortunately yeah no i agree with dax he was he, he was he made a, a fun environment for these people and they were attracted to that and you didn't think of the repercussions granted i have no idea what uh, i'm not saying bill clinton had sex with underage women or anything but it's like why hang out with this guy you know what i'm saying like that's that's the weird part he clearly had access to a lot of young women and that's you're not going to you know catch a, a normal person on one of those flights if that's yeah. not what Look, Melinda into. Gates left Bill for a reason I think the Epstein thing was a big part of their uh, their divorce and separation and the bottom line is this was a big cover-up so many people Katie Couric even all kinds of people linked Clinton Dershowitz, who I love Alan Dershowitz, and he recently settled with Euphrase. You know, when I challenged Prince Andrew to take a polygraph, it made front page everywhere because I had an investor whose daughter had been raped. He's a multi-billionaire. He said, Ian, I'll give you up to $100 million to offer to Prince Andrew if he takes a polygraph and passes. And... Virginia Jufres, who was Prince Andrew's accuser, she wrote on my Twitter, well, if he doesn't take the polygraph, I will for free. Mm. And that was pretty big. Yeah. That was powerful. I mean, she's since received probably about 15, $14, 15000000 million. She was represented by the top uh, Manhattan law firm uh, led by David Boyce, who's a, an amazing class action lawyer. Um, but in this case, look, man, Prince Andrew is guilty. It's all in my book. Not only do I have Virginia Roberts Jufres in there, I have countless other women on the record telling about their dalliances with Prince Andrew. This guy was a serial womanizer and he's never been properly held accountable for the abuse he's inflicted on all these innocent women. So that, that, you know, that's why I wrote the book was because I interviewed Epstein and because I had all this information on Prince Andrew. But at the end of the day, when you talk about Hollywood cover-ups, this is one of the biggest ever because there's so many people out there who are still shaking in their boots and they deny everything. Clinton, well, I didn't know him too well. You were on this plane 60 times. Trump, if you see the interviews with Trump, well, I knew him back in the day a bit. We shook hands. Come on. They were extremely close in Palm Beach. I mean, the Epstein story 
was global. I mean, he had Paris, Palm Beach, New York. He was all over the place importing women from all. He was importing women from Ukraine, from South America, and paying them for their services. But a lot of them were underage, and that's a fact. And child sex trafficking is one thing that's got to be stopped. It's a $2 billion business a year. And people are afraid to talk about it because you get killed when you talk about it. Well, I've been against child sex trafficking for years. I wrote the book about it and I'm still breathing and I'm not afraid of these assholes. These people have got to be stopped. And a lot of governments are complicit because it's such a big business. It's in every state, child sex trafficking, every state. And not much is being done to stop it. And that's sad. Dang. Well, this was a pretty intense episode, I must say. (laughs) Hold on. I thought we're going three more hours because I've lost (laughs) my whole morning. Listen, we're no Epsteins. We don't got seven hours, bro. Uh, Tell Roland. Roland's a straight arrow. I really like Roland. Give him my best. I've known him for years, and uh, I'm glad he landed at Spotify. And really, I've really enjoyed being on your show because it's sort of been cathartic for me. Uh, I forgot all about all these books and stuff. So uh, all that I could say is thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. I hope this show blows up. Opie and Anthony are no longer. So maybe you guys are the next incarnation. And uh, I'll leave you with this to all the viewers and listeners. Thank you. Please check out the new book. It's on Amazon. It's called case closed. Kurt Cobain. And uh, anytime you guys need me, I've, I've enjoyed this a lot, Dax and Adam. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. No, thank you. And if you guys want to follow Ian, follow him at Ian Undercover on Twitter. That's where you can uh, follow everything, keep up to date on what he's doing. And uh, yeah, just appreciate you taking the time while you were down in Columbia to jump on with us and uh, Pleasure, guys. give us uh, an hour of your time. So thank you so Pleasure, much. Guys. Stay safe. Thanks for having me. Uh, interesting guy, man. It's crazy what, I mean, can you, Dex, you've pulled into the Scientology church and they chased you out, right? Uh, I was there though for Tom and Katie, like the birth of Surrey. So I was outside. Wait, Surrey was born there at the church? So no, the, so when, um, when she was pregnant and we all knew that she was headed to the hospital, we didn't know where they were going to have her. Were they going to have her at the Celebrity Center? Were they going to have her at UCLA Med? at cedars like there was all these rumors and so uh the celebrity center was one of the big spots that people believed she was going to be born so i was there waiting to just see like are are all the suvs going to pull in or something and um i ended up they like kicked me out literally parked across the street but they had all eyes on everyone that was pulling up in there and they were like nope you cannot be here is it possible to go to the Church of Scientology and just say, hey, I'd like to get a tour. I'm interested. Or if you, as soon as you go in, you're in. Like, there's no way to get out. No, like, you, I don't think I don't think you can get a tour of the place. I think or you... Or just go in, go in like, hey, I'm interested. Can you t- tell me? Like, I'm just open, but I just want to understand. I think you have to... I think you... I think you can go in to be like, I'm interested in Scientology, but I'm not going to just, like, give you a tour of the place. Gotcha. So if you want to go in, they'll give you the literature. They'll get, they'll, you know, they'll bring you in if they think they're going to like convert you, but 
not to do a sightseeing tour. Man, what a what a what a thing! That's a wild yeah. thing. But uh, Ian was interesting. I mean, guys, it's like Ian's like well, he's fortunate that he's able to make money off his books and not go to an outlet where they, you know, obviously if you work for a media outlet, there's a lot of rules where he, you know, I think as a journalist as a creative, he kind of wants to kind of go along his his own route. And I don't think he'd be a part of a a big media conglomeration because I feel like most places wouldn't take that risk. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's why he self publishes a lot of books, but like he's done a lot of books. He's been around. He's done tons of interviews. Like we said, we brought up the Michael Jackson and he was quoted in news outlets all over the world as the first guy to really say, Hey, there's some stuff going on with Michael Jackson. uh, I mean, even when he was talking on here, I was like, Oh God, are we going to get in trouble? (laughs) Oh man. I was getting nervous. I mean, I'm still nervous when we might get in trouble. So um, he said it, not us, but, uh, <laughs> uh, follow us on, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, our private Facebook group off the record. Make sure you guys follow that. If you're on YouTube, like, and subscribe, share it with someone, leave us a review. We're running out of reviews. We need some reviews. Um, just go to iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts, click on the pi- the podcast app on Apple, go all the way to the bottom under Hollywood raw, say a few kind of words, five stars. We'll read it live on air. Find me at Adam Glenn, G-L-Y-N. Find Dax Holt at Dax Holt. We're two verified people. That means we paid for blue check marks. No, we didn't. We just, <laughs> I, we uh, we weaseled our way into them. We didn't pay. I can't afford that stuff. But we'll see you guys next time. Bye. A Huda Media Production.